0: Hello there. As we continue our thoughts about the connections between us and the Israelites, I was thinking about this morning and I told our auditorium class, this is my first time ever teaching an auditorium class and preaching in the same Sunday. And so one of two things is about to happen. You're either about to have the shortest sermon you've ever heard Or the power might go to my head. And we might be here for a little while. And so that's why we're going to talk about Grumblers Part 2. Because if we're here for a while, I expect a few of you maybe to have to come forward. I thought maybe we would take a little bit of a different approach. I I remember when we last left the Israelites a few weeks ago uh, talking about their complaints in the wilderness. We were dealing with uh, a later version of the Israelites. We were dealing with them throughout the book of Numbers. They had already been on the road for a couple of years. They had already dealt with God for a few years. And what happened every time they complained? God punished them in some way. Remember, he sent snakes, he sent fire. Uh, A lot of them were injured or killed because of the complaints that they had. They complained about a lot of different things, and we were able to see the connections between some of the complaints that they made as a group of people trying to follow God and the connection between us as a church and the complaints that maybe we make trying to follow God. This morning, I promised you that we would have a part two because there are so many complaints. Remember, we said there are some 14-odd complaints of the people of Israel throughout the Exodus through Deuteronomy accounts. We dealt with three of them last time. We're going to deal with three more today, and then I'll be done. You can finish with your your grumbling after that. But I want to look at things a little bit differently today. I want to take a, a slightly different approach to these three complaints. We talked about how they fall into two different categories. The last time, the Israelites were punished so much because when they complained, what was the source of their complaints that we talked about? It was their pride. It was the meanness of it. I think things should go this way. I think things should be this way. And we talked about how those complaints reflect some of the complaints that we make as members of the church today. Today, the different shift that I want to take is to look back, instead of looking later on at the later Israelites, I'm going to look at the early Israelites, right after the Exodus. And instead of looking at everything as a church, I want to ask us all to do something, myself included, this morning. I just want us to be honest with ourselves. Can you make me that promise this morning? Will you be honest with yourself as we look at these complaints? Be honest with ourselves about our relationship with God on a personal Level. Instead of looking at this as, here's what the church at Dalreda is complaining about, or here's what the church at Dalreda can do, let's take a look at these things personally. How does this reflect my individual life and my individual relationship with God as we look at these three complaints this morning? We're going to open up with Exodus chapter 15. Jeremy talked to you a little bit last week, and one of the reasons that I placed uh, this particular lesson after Jeremy's lesson is because I wanted you to get some idea of the deliverance that Israel had experienced. And you recognize that God has delivered us all a lot in the same way. Uh, He delivered them all very physically, on a very physical level. He delivers uh, delivers us all on a very spiritual level. So we have that good connection between us and them. But think for just a moment about the story of the Exodus, the context that leads us into Exodus chapter 15. You remember that the people of Israel had moved to Egypt, and they had lived there, and they had followed a king that liked them. But eventually in Exodus chapter 1, you find that the king rises up who didn't know Joseph and who didn't like the Israelites. And so they spend how much time, Exodus 14 tells us, they spent 430 years in captivity. 430 years away from their homeland. 430 years. And this is something that maybe this is, this is my thought This isn't necessarily said exactly in the Bible, but maybe 430 years not in a relationship with God. Because you you realize when Moses gets out there and he eventually meets God in the burning bush, he doesn't really know who he is. And it takes a lot for him to, to build his trust in God and to build his faith in God. And, and I think maybe that's a, a symbol of what's going to happen with Israel. They're not familiar with this God because they've spent 430 years in slavery away from their home and away from their religion. And yet all of a sudden, Moses meets God and God says, I'm going to deliver these people. I'm going to bring these people out. I'm going to take them home and we are going to start a relationship together. Me and the people of Israel. And so Moses goes back and you remember the ten plagues happen. You remember he keeps trying to get Pharaoh to release the people and Pharaoh won't do it. And so finally you get to the tenth plague, the death of the firstborn. You get the Passover and you finally get the people of Israel leaving Egypt. And you see God delivering them. You see God bringing them through the Red Sea. As they they get to the Red Sea, they say, how in the world are we going to cross this giant expanse? We're just going to die here because the Egyptians are on our tail. And God parts the sea and they walk across it on dry land. They get to the other side of dry land. And not only are they completely separated from the Egyptians, God then breaks the parting of the sea, the sea falls down on them, and now they are completely delivered from the Egyptians. They are on the other side. And read what Exodus 14 verse 30 says, Thus the Lord saved Israel that day from the hand of the Egyptians. Israel saw the Egyptians dead on the seashore. When Israel saw the great power which the Lord had used against the Egyptians, the people feared the Lord and they believed in the Lord and in his servant Moses. What a great beginning to the relationship between God and His new people, Israel. They have witnessed His great power through ten plagues. They have witnessed His great power in parting the Red Sea. They have witnessed His great power in delivering them from the hand of the Egyptians. They now fear God, and they're going to sing a whole song. Moses is going to lead them in a song in Exodus chapter 15 about the power of God and about all the things that He has done. And then what happens? Three days three days pass. After everything they've just seen, after all they've just witnessed from God, three days later, in Exodus 15 and verse 22, Moses led Israel from the Red Sea, and they went out into the wilderness of Shur. And they went three days in the wilderness, and they found no water. When they came to Mara, they could not drink the waters of Marah, for they were bitter. Therefore, it was named Marah. And the people complained. They grumbled at Moses, saying, What shall we drink? Now I want to stop here for just a minute. This is three days into their new relationship with God. They've not experienced anything like this before. They've not seen anything like this before. And now here they are, some thousands of people out in the middle of the wilderness... And even though they've seen what God is able to do, what do they recognize? They recognize that a need is not being met. It's a completely legitimate complaint, right? This is actually something that the Israelites should have been worried about because they didn't recognize what their relationship with God actually meant. This is new to them. They don't have a trust in God. They don't have the faith in God like they should yet. And so you remember when we talked about the later complaints of the Israelites, they complain and God immediately punishes them. But what does he do this time? They have a legitimate need. God says, the Israelites say, we need some kind of water. We can't drink the water that we have. There's nothing here. We need something. So Moses cries out to God. And what does God do? Immediately, God shows him a tree and Moses throws the tree into the waters and the waters became sweet. The Israelites had a legitimate need. That need was not being met. They had to have some kind of water. And yes, they complained about it. But what did God do immediately? God acted swiftly and God acted abundantly to meet their need. I think God at this point is a little more patient with the Israelites than He was later on in the book of Numbers. God is a little more patient because they're still new to this. This is three days into their relationship. So he accommodates this this tender new relationship. But look at what he says in Exodus 15 and verse 26. God said, If you will give earnest heed to the voice of the Lord your God and do what is right in His sight and give ear to His commandments and keep all of His statutes, I will put none of the diseases on you which I have put on the Egyptians. For I am the Lord your healer. God says, I recognize you have a complaint. I know you have a need that you think is not being met. But I've already got a plan, and that plan is to take care of you. That plan is to make sure that all of the things that happened to the Egyptians won't happen to you because you're in a relationship with me now. He says, I know this is new. I know this is different for you. But just hang on. If you follow my commands, if you follow my statutes, I will take care of you. I will meet Your needs. You know, I believe that if we are looking at our own personal lives, if we are thinking about our own personal relationship with God, I think there are certainly times where we feel like our needs are not being met. I think there are certainly times where we have complained in our own relationship with God that we don't think He's doing the things that we need. We want things to happen on our time. We want things to happen the way we want them to happen. And we want things to happen as we want them to happen. And a lot of times this happens early on in our relationship with God. Because we haven't learned to trust Him yet. Because we haven't learned that sometimes it takes him a little while. Sometimes he's got a better plan that's got to work out differently. Sometimes he's got to do things his way, even though it looks different than our way. And if we're patient, and if we hold on, and if we wait for him, he said, all you've got to do, if you follow me, if you trust in me, I'm going to take care of you. Those bad things that happen to the Egyptians, they're not going to happen to you. Those bad things that happen to people that don't follow me, they're not going to happen to you. God says, I just need you to trust me. And that does happen a lot early on in our walk with God. But I think if we're not careful, it can happen no matter where we are in our walk with God. It can happen if we've been at the same church for 30 or 40 years. It can happen if we've lived in the same house for 10 or 15 years. It can happen if we've surrounded ourselves with the same people over and over and over again, and we feel like there's still something lacking. And we feel like, you know what? God is not providing for me the love that I need, the care that I need. God is not providing for me the spiritual food that I need. God is not providing... And we we immediately start getting into that mindset of complaining about God in our relationship. Now this this probably happens in all relationships, right? And this is something that I think when we think about our walk with God, we need to be aware of. Because if you have a relationship with another person, whether it be a husband or wife, whether it be a boyfriend or girlfriend, whether it just be a brother or sister or some kind of friend, there are always going to be some points of contention. There is going to be some point where you feel like the other person is not meeting your need. And I think when we're thinking about a relationship with God, because we're humans, because we're fallible, sometimes in our relationship with God we're going to feel the same way because it's still a relationship. But the difference between a relationship with a friend who's not meeting a need And a relationship with a God who we think is not meeting the need is that God will respond swiftly and abundantly. Israel, let God know we have a need that's not being met. And God said, follow me, trust in me, and I will make sure that all of your needs are met. Look over in chapter 16. Israel camps at Elam. And after they finished camping there for a certain amount of time, they set out in verse, six, or verse 1 of chapter 16. says, All the congregations of the sons of Israel came to the wilderness of Sin, which is between Edom and Sinai, on the fifteenth day of the second month after their departure. And the whole congregation of the sons of Israel grumbled against Moses and Aaron in the wilderness. The sons of Israel said to them, We wish that we would have died by the Lord's hand in the land of Egypt, when we sat by the pots of meat, when we ate bread to the full, for you have brought us out into this wilderness to kill this whole assembly with hunger. We've got the first complaint, and it's a legitimate complaint, right? Uh, It's the people of Israel saying, we don't have water and we've got to have water to survive. And this is still a new relationship. We don't know if we can trust this God yet, even though we've seen all of the things that He's done. But now they've seen. God says, if you follow me, if you trust me, I'm going to take care of you quickly. I'm going to take care of you abundantly. And just a little while later, they start moving again and they've got a second complaint. And on the surface, it looks like another legitimate complaint. It looks like something that they should be complaining about. On the surface level, it looks like, well, there's no food. But I think there's something a little more behind it than just that. When we look at their actual complaint, we wish that we would have died by the Lord's hand in the land of Egypt when we sat by the pots of meat, when we ate bread to the full. I think the complaint is less about the food and more about, I just miss the way things used to be. And when we think about our own personal, individual relationship with God, when we think about our walk with Him on a day-to-day basis, sometimes it can be hard. You know, God never promised the Christian life would be easy, right? Right? God never promised that we wouldn't deal with some kind of issues. As a matter of fact, as Christians, we probably deal with more hardships than anybody else. Our lives are probably more difficult than most people who are not in a relationship with God. And sometimes we can look at the people who are outside of these walls and we can see how much fun they're having and we can see how much they seem to enjoy life and we can see ourselves in the mirror and we think, why am I not having that much fun as a Christian? Why am I not enjoying my life that much as a Christian? And we look at the grass on the other side and we say, it's much greener over there and I miss being there. It's the beginning of of a fall away from God, right? It's the beginning of turning away from Him in our relationship. I think it's interesting how God responds to this complaint. Look in verse 4. The Lord says to Moses, Behold, I will rain bread from heaven for you. The people shall go out and gather a day's portion every day, that I may test them, whether or not they will walk in my instruction. Sometimes God tests His people. Sometimes things are hard Because God lets them be hard. Sometimes things are hard because God says, I want to make sure that you are doing what I want you to do. I want to make sure that you are actually going to obey my commandments. That you're not just going through the motions. That you're not just ghost walking through this life, this walk with God. I want to make sure you're dedicated to this. And sometimes when our lives get hard, when our relationship with God gets hard, we've got to step back for just a minute. And like James 1 says, we need to consider it all joy when we encounter various tests. Because the testing of our faith produces patience. God says, I'm going to test the Israelites. I'm going to make sure that they follow in my instruction. And sometimes when our lives get hard today and we face the trials of the world, Sometimes it's God saying, I need to make sure that you're committed to this. I need to make sure you're into this. But look at what he says a little further down in verse 6. Moses and Aaron said to all the sons of Israel, At evening you will know that the Lord has brought you out of the land of Egypt. And in the morning you will see the glory of the Lord, because he has heard your grumblings against the Lord when we're tested, when things are hard, when we miss the way things used to be, when we look around and uh, back at the outside and we say, you know, I I wish I was kind of more like that. Moses and Aaron here tell the people of Israel, if you'll look around, you'll see God. If you stop and, and count the blessings that you actually have, you'll see God. God hears your grumblings. God hears when you have struggles in your relationship with Him. God knows when things aren't going as easily as you would like them to go. And what does God do for the Israelites here? Moses said, this will happen when the Lord gives you meat to eat in the evening and bread to the full morning. For the Lord hears your grumblings which you grumble against Him. And God provides, swiftly and abundantly, meets their need. God makes sure that even though you might be going through something difficult, I'm going to take care of you. I'm going to be on your side. Keep following me. We get to Exodus chapter 17. Just a little bit further, the journey continues on, and... You know, the Israelites have dealt with their legitimate complaint about water. Their need is not being met. And then they evolve a little bit and they say, well, we don't have any food and we miss the food that we used to have. We miss the way things used to be. Our relationship with God is not as easy as it once was. But now they're starting to grow in their relationship with God. They're starting to understand Him a little bit better. Maybe they're starting to trust Him a little bit more because they know He will provide if they say something about it. But let's look at Exodus chapter 17. All the congregations of the Son of Israel journeyed by stages from the wilderness of sin according to the command of the Lord, encamped at Rephidim, and there was no water for the people to drink. Once again, we've got no water. Once again, we've got a complaint that could be legitimate. But listen to what's said here. The people quarreled with Moses and said, Give us water that we may drink. Give it to us. This is not a we have a legitimate need and we're going to complain about it so we can get it. This is not a, uh, we we don't have food and we miss the food that we used to have. This is not some kind of humble entreatment of God. Give it to us. I deserve this, God. I'm entitled to something better than what I've got. You see how their attitude and their relationship with God changes? Because they've seen what He's going to do now. They know what God will do for them. They know how swiftly He will respond and how abundantly He will respond. And instead of just simply asking God, there's no water, may we please have some water, what do they do? Give it to us, God. God, we've been with you for this long. You owe us water. I'm afraid that sometimes, at different points in our relationship with God, we feel a little bit of entitlement. Sometimes I might feel like, God, I have done so much for you. God, I have been at church every Sunday for the last 20-something years of my life. God, I have not missed a Bible class. God, I've taught Bible class. God, I've even gone and knocked doors for you. You owe me something, God. And not realizing that God's already given us everything. Not realizing that there's nothing that we deserve from Him. You see, God doesn't need us. God didn't need the Israelites. God doesn't need any human. But He wants us. And He wants to be in a relationship with us. And so He's going to do whatever it takes to be in that relationship with us. And He's already done everything that He's going to do to establish the bridge for us through Jesus Christ. God has reached out His hand and said, I'm offering you everything that I have. And if we feel like God owes us something in our relationship with Him, then we're telling Him, Jesus isn't enough. You know What you've done, God, it's not enough. Now, of course, God doesn't... He doesn't get upset with Israel at this point. He doesn't strike them down. He doesn't punish them. But Moses gets a little bit upset here. Moses says, what shall I do to this people? In just a little bit, they're going to stone me. And we remember from Numbers, they do decide it's time to stone Moses, don't they? But the Lord calmly says, pass before the people. Take with you some of the elders of Israel. Take your hand or take in your hand your staff, with which you struck the Nile, and go. Behold, I will stand before you there on the rock at Horeb, and you shall strike the rock, and water will come out of it, that the people may drink. And Moses did so in the sight of the elders of Israel. See, here's the amazing thing. When we follow God, even though in our relationship, sometimes we mistreat Him. Sometimes we, as human beings, mistreat God. And yet, He still wants us. He still wants our relationship with Him. He still wants to take care of us. Even though the Israelites came to Him with this sense of entitlement, God, you owe us this water. What does God do? He says, I'm going to give you some water. Now, He's not going to handle that kind of attitude. We're going to see as that attitude grows and as their relationship grows, God's going to punish them for continuing to hold that attitude. But, When people come to God, following Him with a humble heart and trust in His Word, God provides swiftly and abundantly. And I think all of these complaints and and all of our thoughts about our personal relationship individually with God tie into a passage we're very familiar with in Matthew chapter 6. In Matthew chapter 6, beginning in verse 25, Jesus says, For this reason I say to you, don't worry about your life to what you will eat or what you will drink, nor for your body as to what you will put on. Is not life more than food and the body more than clothing? Look at the birds of the air. They do not sow nor reap, nor do they gather in the barns, and yet your heavenly Father feeds them. Aren't you worth more than they? Who of you, by being worried, can add a single hour to his life? Why are you worried about clothing? Observe how the lilies of the field grow. They do not toil, nor do they spin, Yet I say to you that not even Solomon in all of his glory clothed himself like one of these. If God so clothes the grass of the field, which is alive today and tomorrow is thrown into the furnace, will he not much more clothe you, you of little faith? Pause right there. The Israelites were early in their relationship with God. This is the beginning of their time with him. And three days in, they don't trust him yet. They don't trust, even though they've witnessed all the things that God can do and God will do, they don't trust Him to provide. Not long after that, they move on and they don't trust God enough to give them better things, to give them more. And then a little bit more time passes and they don't trust God enough to continue to take care of them with good things. They feel a sense of entitlement and overconfidence in their relationship with God. And all of these things betray a lack of trust in God. When we have these attitudes in our relationship with God, when we come across these points in our walk with God, all it is showing is that I don't trust God enough. I don't trust that He's going to take care of me like He promised He would. Jesus says, look look around you, look at the creation. You are greater. You are the greatest of God's creation. You are the peak. You are the pinnacle of what God did when He created the earth. And He takes care of all of the other things. He takes care of all of the little things. And if God's going to take care of the little things, don't you think He's going to take care of His prized creation? Of the creation that He breathed His own self into? Don't you think He's going to take care of you? You of little things faith. Jesus says, if you don't think God's going to provide for you, if you feel like God owes you more, you don't trust God like you should. Don't worry then, saying, what shall we eat, or what shall we drink, or what shall we wear? The Gentiles eagerly seek these things. Your heavenly Father knows that you need them. Instead, seek first his kingdom and his righteousness, and all these things will be added to you. Do you know the the answer that Jesus gives is the same answer that the Israelites had? The answer for the people in the church, the answer for the people who are Christians is the same answer. Instead of worrying about the things that you feel like you need, instead of complaining about the lack of things or complaining about uh, not having what you feel like you need or complaining and feeling entitled, Jesus says instead, follow God, keep His commandments, trust Him. The same as the Israelites did. But it's a little bit different now. Things are different now than they were for the Israelites. You see, because like Davis read for us just a few minutes ago in Hebrews chapter 3, take care, brethren, that there not be in any one of you an evil, unbelieving heart that falls away from the living God. Encourage one another day after day as long as it is still called today so that none of you will be hardened by the deceitfulness of sin. Because we have become partakers of Christ If we hold fast, the beginning of our assurance firm until the end. There's something different for us today than there was for the Israelites. And that is that we have a physical portrayal of God on this earth. We have the exact representation of God and the things that He went through. And we see the trust and we see the relationship that Jesus has with the Father. And we get a chance to look into that mirror each and every day and say, Am I trusting God like that? Am I following God like that? The Hebrew writer even says here, uh, he talks about the Israelites and their complaints. He says, who provoked him when they had heard? Indeed, did not all those who came out of Egypt led by Moses. With whom was he angry for 40 years? Was it not with those who sinned, whose bodies fell in the wilderness? And to whom did he swear that they would not enter his rest, but to those who were disobedient? So we see that they were not able to enter because of unbelief. Those people who complained in the wilderness, those people who were in that early stage of their relationship with God, who maybe had some legitimate complaints, but allowed that to grow into something more and allowed that to become the complaints that we read about in the book of Numbers, those people didn't get to go to the promised land. Those people built their relationship on the wrong things with God. Their relationship was based on unbelief belief. So the writer says in chapter 4, Therefore let us fear, if while a promise remains of entering his rest, any one of you may seem to have come short of it. For indeed we have had the gospel preached to us, just as they also, but the word they heard did not profit them, because it was not united by faith in those who heard. For we who have believed enter that rest. Just as he has said, I swore in my wrath, they shall not enter my rest, although his works were finished from the foundation of the world. In verse 6 of Hebrews chapter 4, Therefore, since it remains for some to enter that rest, and those who formerly had the good news preached to them failed to enter because of disobedience, he again fixes a certain day today, saying that through David, after so long a time, just as has been said before, today, if you hear his voice, do not harden your heart. That's what lack of trust in God leads to. Our unbelief, our, our our not following his commands, our not believing that he will provide leads to a hard heart. And it leads to a break in our relationship with him. So what do we do? What's the solution? How do we how do we think about these things? Because when you start off you've got that first complaint and it seems like a legitimate complaint, right? Do we not sometimes have legitimate things that we feel in our relationship with God that maybe we think we're justified for? We do. We do. I was talking to a preacher friend about some of these complaints a couple of weeks ago. And something that he said stuck with me. He said the difference between what the Israelites did and what the Israelites should have done is that they complained about God Instead of complaining to God. You see, when you actually read through the Old Testament, you're going to find the Psalms. And yeah, you know, we've got a lot of happy Psalms, right? You know, you've got a lot of Psalms that praise God and talk about how wonderful He is and how powerful He is. And then you've got some Psalms that really say some things that we wouldn't say about God, right? We've got some Psalms that accuse God of leaving, we've got some Psalms that accuse God of not doing the things He promised He would do. And God allowed that to be in His inspired Word? Maybe as an opportunity for us to see that if we talk it out with Him, if we speak to Him about the things that we are feeling in our relationship, instead of complaining about Him, He's going to respond. We read in Philippians chapter 4, Rejoice in the Lord always. Again, I will say rejoice. Let your gentle spirit be known to all men. The Lord is near. Be anxious for nothing, but in everything by prayer and supplication, with thanksgiving, let your requests be made known to God. And the peace of God, which surpasses all comprehension, will guard your hearts and your minds in Christ Jesus. If we want to build our trust in God, If we want to build our relationship with God, instead of complaining about the things that we think God isn't doing, we need to take a step back and instead communicate them with Him. Instead, we've got to talk to Him. And this is where all of us, myself included, probably fail. In our prayer lives with God. How many of our prayer lives, myself included, extend further than praying for meals? Maybe not a lot of us. I can tell you personally, there are days where sometimes I even forget to pray for meals. Sometimes I don't talk to God like I should. Just like in any relationship, sometimes we forget to communicate. But you know what happens when we communicate with God? Not only will He take care of us, not only will He provide for us, But the peace of God, which surpasses all comprehension, will guard our hearts and minds. As we've talked about the the grumblings from a couple of weeks ago, and we've talked about the grumblings from today, the key to stopping complaining, the key to stop grumbling, is in communication. Proper communication. If we're complaining about things going on in the church, what is it that we've got to do? We've got to communicate. We've got to communicate with the people who are in charge. We've got to communicate with the people who uh, we're grumbling about. And if we're complaining about our relationship with God, and we feel like He owes us something, and we feel like a need is not being met, it shows we don't trust God enough, And the answer is we've got to talk to Him. We've got to communicate with God. We've got to open up our prayer lives. And we've got to open up our Bibles and let God respond. We've got to let that conversation continue. Because that's how all relationships are built. All relationships are built on communication. I talk to God through prayer. God talks to me through His Scripture. It's that easy. Now, does that mean there's not going to be hard times? Absolutely not. We're all going to go through difficulties in our relationship. We're all going to have problems. But just like the psalmist did, instead of complaining about God, we talk to God. and We tell Him how we feel. Our relationship with God is an amazing thing. Our relationship with God has ups and downs. Our relationship with God is not perfect from our end. It's perfect from His end because He's God and He established it. But for us, we're always going to have problems with it. We're going to have good days. We're going to have bad days. I pray for the good days for all of us. I pray we have as many good days as we possibly can. But sometimes we have bad days. And sometimes we don't communicate like we should. And this morning we have an opportunity to communicate with God on your behalf. We have an opportunity, if you are a Christian, to help you in your relationship by talking to God and saying, God, here's what's going on in this person's life. Here's what they need help with. We have the opportunity, like the Hebrew writer says, to encourage each other while it is still today, to continue in our relationship with God. But we also have the opportunity, if you've never been in a relationship with God, if you've never opened that door, if you've never started down that path, there's nothing better you can do. And no, it won't always be perfect. And no, it won't always be easy. But it'll be the best decision you could ever make. By faith, repentance, confession, and baptism, you can come to Christ for the first time and start that relationship with Him. If you have any kind of need like this this morning, won't you come as we stand and sing?